children can be dismissed at Children's Church. Thank you, Pam. That kind of reminded me seeing you head out there. Matthew chapter 11. Now, obviously, we, we for the most part, teach in series around here. Uh, minister preach sermon series. In other words, one sermon kind of leads to the next and builds on the next. And so if you're new with us, that's okay. Everything that we've taught up until this point is online. It's, it's free. Um, there's you know, no charge for that um, whatsoever. And um, so this is a little bit of review from where we were last week just to kind of tie in uh, some of the things that um, we're going to be looking at uh, on this Sunday together. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if, if we trace this sermon series all the way back to its, its uh, beginning in January, um, somewhere along the way we found ourselves led by the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4, where he's talking to the Ephesians, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is talking to the Ephesians, and, and what, we're, what we're seeing is being addressed there is a problem that still exists in the body of Christ today. And, and this is the problem of people who've been born again people who've received the very life and nature of God, people who've received an eternal covenant with God, people who um, have the greater one living inside of them, um, still living a, a life of, of defeat, still living like outsiders, still behaving like people who've not been born again, still struggling with areas of, of sin and weakness in, in, in their lives and dysfunction in their families and, and, and these sorts of things. And so in Ephesians 4 there, he, he talks about how you know, these things don't have to be that way, that, that, that they're living like outsiders, but they're really insiders. They're living like people who've been separated from God who are no longer separated from God. And, and he says that, that um, this is not what we've learned from Christ, um, if indeed you have been taught by him. Now, the key word there, this is not what you learned from Christ, if indeed you have been taught by him. Because clearly there, there were people um, who had not yet learned the things that they need to know in order to live the life that God created them to live. And so I mention that now because I want you to see in verse 29, he says to us, not just come to him, come to him is what he says in verse 28, but verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, this word learn is the word um, in the original language that we get our English word discipleship from. Um, it's the word manthano. Uh, it's a word that we uh, use a lot around here at Heritage. Um, and manthano has to do with discipleship. It has to do with learning uh, from Jesus and, and, and allowing Jesus um, to teach you the things that you need to know so that you can live the life that he created you to live. But notice that the, the pattern here. He says, come and I'll give you rest. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and, lowly, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so we said there's a pattern to this. The pattern is come and Jesus will give. But then he says, learn and you will find. Learning is not a prerequisite for Jesus giving. He freely gives us all things. But if we're ever going to, and these are words, again, you're going to hear me use all the time, right? Experience and enjoy. Experience and enjoy. It's one thing for Jesus to give you rest. It's another thing for you to experience and enjoy that rest in your life reality. 
And so he gives it freely. It's, it, it's not, in other words, if, if you had to learn a whole bunch of stuff before Jesus would give you anything, then it wouldn't be grace. It would be something that you earned. Uh, these uh, young uh, men uh, that, uh, you know, given a, they weren't given a diploma, or somebody will hand them one, but they earned that high school diploma. Mark earned those college degrees. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Um, and, and they did it by learning a bunch of stuff and qualifying uh, for that degree to be conferred upon them, okay? Well, this, because so much in life in this world works that way, we have a tendency to bring that same mindset, that same mentality over into the you know, life with God in the, in the kingdom uh, with us. But that's not how it works. Jesus says, come and I'll give. Now that you've been given these things, um, let me teach you how to live from the inside out. Let me teach you how to live um, as the person that I have made you. And so the other, I want to I kind of expand this pattern. Um, we also see in Scripture where he says, come and I will make, come and I will make, learn and you will experience and enjoy. Okay? So basically, come and I'll give, learn and you'll find, or come and I'll make, learn and you will experience and enjoy. So it's not just that Jesus gives us things. We also see that he makes us something that we were not before. He doesn't just give you freedom. He makes you free. He doesn't just give you righteousness. He makes you righteous. He doesn't just give you prosperity. He makes you prosperous. He doesn't just give you healing. He makes you whole. There's a a big difference between these things. But see, because we, like so many people in the world, we look at how things, uh, you know, seem and feel around us and use that data, we use that informational input to determine what's true about us and what's, you know who we really are and and as we said the self-image feedback loop where you know because we feel a certain way because it looks a certain way because it seems a certain way we we allow how things look seem and feel to determine what we believe to be true about us and my friend that is that is the devil's playground that is where the devil makes his living that is perhaps one of the greatest deceptions that, that, that he continues to perpetuate on born-again believers. When, when we allow what's going on around us, again, the way things look, seem, and feel, um, to determine what we believe to be true about us. And so, you know, we, we look at circumstances, we look at, at behavior, we look at even like habits that seem hard to break, and we believe that those circumstances, those behaviors, those habits and patterns of behavior that seem hard to break, um, we allow those things to shape and form what we believe to be true about ourselves or, or how, uh, you know, the image that we have of ourselves. But remember, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. T- 
to, to walk by sight is to live your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. To live by faith is to live your life on a daily basis, not based upon how things look, seem, and feel, but based upon what the Word of God says is true about you, what the Word of God says about who He made you, what the Word of God says about what He's given you. So, for instance, if, if, if He says, come to me and I'll give you rest, and, and your life reality is one of trouble and chaos and there's anything but rest, right? How, how do you reconcile that? In other words, there are a lot of people, they say, well, you know, he says he'd give me a rest, but I hadn't found it yet. Okay, well, <laughs> hear what you just said. You haven't found it yet because he says, come and I'll give, learn, take my yoke upon you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to teach you how to live from the inside out, how to live uh, a life based upon who He made you and what He has given to you. So most people see it this way. Um, they, they say, you know, I'm, I'm a slave and I'm an addict trying to live in freedom. I'm a sinner trying to do right. I'm a weak person trying to find strength. I'm a sick person hoping to find healing. Now for those of you who are holding your breath, I'm not going to go through the whole long list um, that we went through last week, okay? <laughs> I've had some feedback from that, right? And, uh, you know, in other words, it was positive feedback, but, like, um, basically get-out-of-my-business feedback, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so if you weren't here last week, please go, go look at, at, at that uh, message, okay? Um, and so how do people come to these conclusions? Born-again people believing they're still a slave to sin, when the Bible clearly says we're not. Born-again people who, who still identify more as a sinner than, than, than as someone who's been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. Well, how do they come to that conclusion? Uh, people who uh, believe they're a weak person, when the Bible says that God has made us strong and, and, and that greater is He who's in us than He who's in the world. But again, how do they come to this conclusion believing and seeing themselves as a weak, per, as a weak person, as a sick person, as a sinner, as, an, as a slave to sin, as an, as an addict? Well, again, it's back to how things look, seem, and feel. And, and because we feel this way, because it looks like this is what we are, because it, it seems like this is, this is how it is, um, then we allow that to determine the image that we have of ourselves. But here's the truth. Again, here's the truth. Jesus made you a righteous man so you can live right. That Listen, we're all growing. You know, that... To be made a righteous man so you can live right doesn't mean you get everything uh, right. It doesn't mean you don't ever make a mistake. It doesn't mean that, that you don't, um, you know, and I understand mistake in light of what Donald was saying. I'm talking about, you know, sin is twofold, right? Sin is knowing to do good and not doing it, also doing things wrong that we shouldn't do. So Jesus made you a righteous man so that you would have the wherewithal inside of you to live a righteous life. He made you a free man so you can live in freedom. But, but go back to where we were last week. So many times we see ourselves as, as not being free, trying to live free, and, it, and it'll never work. So Jesus made you strong so you can overcome your weakness. He made you whole so you can experience healing. Now, let's... um. I'm going to skip through some stuff here, all right? This is important, so let's get this. Review, review, review. Your self-image is the bridge that connects you to 
or the gap that separates you from the life God created you to live. Your life reality, we've said over and over again, is a reflection of your self-image. You cannot change your life reality by trying to change the reflection. It would be like trying to wash your face by cleaning the mirror. Now, we've also said that your life reality is not a reflection of your potential or your desires. It is a reflection of your self-image. And because of this, listen to me, please. This is where we're going to get into some new stuff this morning in the time we have remaining, all right? Because your life reality is not a reflection of your potential. See, we all have potential. We all have potential, right? What is potential? Potential is what you're capable of doing that you haven't done yet. What you're capable of becoming that you haven't become yet. What you're capable of accomplishing that you haven't accomplished yet. This is the potential that Father God has invested in you when he created you. He gave you, the Bible says, purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. And so we all have unrealized potential inside of us. But your life reality is not a reflection of your potential, nor is it a reflection of your desires. We all desire. Listen to me, please. I'm thankful for how much God's blessed us. I'm thankful for what you're experiencing right now in life. And and so many times people, when I say good things coming, people will correct me. Good things are already here. Listen to me. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your best days on planet earth in Christ are still ahead of you. They're not behind you. Amen. And and so when we talk about desires, when we talk about things that we haven't done yet that we want to do, places that we want to go that we haven't gone, all of that, right? These desires that are in us. You see, we are so familiar with the lust of the flesh, but the Bible says the born-again spirit and God's spirit inside of you also have deep-seated desires, the lusts of the spirit, the desires of the spirit, things that we want to do for God, things that we want to accomplish for Him, things that we were put on this earth to do, things that I was put in my mama's womb to do that I haven't done yet. I desire those things. And so we see that these desires are in us, godly desires. You know, this desire to, you know, I I, I know that, um, you know, I've heard some of what some of you want to do and, 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 the, and the goals that you have and, 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 and the money that you want to give and the people that you want to help. Amen. Again, these are godly desires inside of us that have not yet been fulfilled. But our desires are not, our life does not reflect our desires. Our life reflects our self-image, no matter what those desires may be, no matter how godly they are, and, and, and it does not reflect your potential, no matter how great your potential may be. It's sad to me. Dr. Miles Monroe talks about all the potential that exists in a graveyard. People that never uh, you know, even begin to scratch the surface of what they were capable of accomplishing. And, and listen to me. Please listen to me. You know this. I know this. I know that there are desires that God's put in me and potential that he's put in me that I've not yet tapped into. I know that I'm capable of more. That's not, see, we say that today, and it's, I'm not wanting to get emails and pats on the back and, and, and oh, Pastor, what you're doing is amazing. I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm telling you, we all know this is in us. Your life reality is not a reflection of your potential or your desires. It's a reflection of your self-image. And so what happens is this creates, if we're not careful, if we don't understand this, this creates a lot of frustration in life. 
living with the sense that we can do more, living with this, this understanding that we can be more and have more, more than what we're currently experiencing and accomplishing, more than what we're currently experiencing and enjoy in life. Let me just give you some concept of your true potential. Colossians 1.27 says this of your true potential. It's the great mystery, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. There are all kinds of verses that talk about your true image, which, remember, that's where your true potential lies, is your true image in Christ. And so, for instance, Jesus says this in John 14, and, and we could go on and we will at a later date, but in John 14, for instance, Jesus said, the works that he did, you will do also, and even greater works, because he goes to his Father. That potential is in every born-again believer. Now, I want to, we're going to build on that. A lot of that was just kind of uh, some review and adding some things in. I'm, I want to I talk to you this morning about something very important, okay? And it, and it has to do with, I don't, I don't want to exaggerate it when I say this, but it is the primary objective for this thing the Bible calls discipleship, okay? And we say it and define it many different ways here at Heritage. Hopefully one or more of the ways we say it and define it will stick with you, all right? But what we're ultimately, based upon, again, what we're talking about this morning, come and I'll give, come and I'll make, learn and you'll find, learn and you'll experience and enjoy. We're talking about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. The righteousness that you've been made becoming something that you experience and enjoy in your life reality. The freedom from sin that you've been made becoming an outward expression in your life reality where you actually are experiencing wholeness. You're actually enjoying prosperity. You're actually um, living in the blessing. The Bible says, we were saying it this morning, the weight of every curse was upon him. Galatians tells us that Jesus came under the curse that was on top of us and had us pinned down. He came under that curse and he lifted that curse off of you and he carried it away so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the non-biological descendants of Abraham. So that the very blessing of God that was upon Abraham could, could encompass your life, could, could define your life reality. Again, that's the inward reality of the new birth. Discipleship is about that inward reality becoming an outward expression of life. It's one thing to be blessed. It's another thing to experience and enjoy the blessings of the Lord in your life reality. Ephesians 1.3, he says, He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He didn't, he doesn't, see, we hear that, but we think it means go to church and, and live a good life and you'll be blessed. That's not what he said. He said, I have blessed you. 
He has made you blessed. There are a lot of people that God has blessed that are still living a life that looks more like a cursed life than a blessed life. It's not because God has withheld his blessing from them. God's blessing is upon them. God's blessing is in them. He has made them a blessed man or woman. They're not experiencing and enjoying it, though, because the inward reality of blessing has yet to become an outward expression of their life reality. Are you seeing this? He didn't say, play your religious cards right, memorize enough Bible verses, and I'll give you peace. No, no. Peace belongs to you as a child of God. Joy belongs to you as a child of God. If you're not experiencing and enjoying peace, if you're not experiencing and enjoy blessing, if you're not experiencing and enjoying the joy of the Lord in your life reality, amen, it's not because He has withheld it from you. It's not because He's refused to give it to you. It's because we haven't yet learned how to live in the peace and the joy that belongs to us as sons and daughters of God. Remember, you were created by God to live from the inside out. Happiness comes from the the word happenstance. We don't necessarily say happenstance, we say circumstance. Circumstance is talking about what's going on around you. Happenstance, what's happening around you. So happiness is based upon how things look, seem, and feel. So if the circumstances are favorable, we feel happiness. My friend, Jesus didn't just come to make you happy. He came to give you joy. He came to put His joy in you so that His joy in you could flow up from you and bubble out of you. Amen. And if you have the joy of the Lord inside of you, flowing out of you, you can have joy even when what's going on around you is not favorable. The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. Right? Amen? You say, are we not talking about self-image anymore, Pastor Mark? We absolutely are. Okay? We absolutely are. Now, these, are, these words right here are, are Greek words. They're Greek words and they're big words, especially that top one there. Okay. That word is pronounced metaschematizo. All right, you still with me? And the word under that is, again, a Greek transliteration. It's the word metamorpho. Now, you probably know what English word we get from metamorpho, we get the English word metamorphosis from this Greek word metamorpho, okay? The word above it, metaschematizo, it is also um, uh, a, a word that we see translated into our English word transform. So if you're reading along in, in the New Testament, you'll find words like change or transform or be transformed, okay? And if you go back into the original language, it's going to be one of these two words. It's either going to be the word metamorpho or it's going to be the word metaschematizo. Now, I've explained this to you before, so I'll be brief here. The Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek, okay? And then it was translated from these languages into in our case, the English language. Are you still with me? 
Now, the, 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 the issues that we have with this um, are a few, uh, but primarily we see that the Greek language is a more complicated and a more sophisticated language than the English language. For instance, there are verb tenses in the Greek that do not exist in English. And so when we talk about metaschematizo and metamorpho, it's like the word love. We get the English word love in our text, but it could be agape, it could be eros, it could be philo, it could be sturgio, right? In other words, all, we have four different, you can even make a case for five, different Greek words that are translated into our English word love. No wonder we're confused in English what love really is, okay? Because agape and philo are not the same thing as eros. Eros, you probably figured out, it's a romantic, sexual kind of love. Sturgio is a familial love, um, Philo is like what we often think of as friend. Uh, it, it means friend, Philadelphia, philo. Um, uh, it's warm, fond, affectionate feelings for another person. Agape, agape we often associate with the love of God, but agape, we're told to have agape. Agape is when you love someone as an act of your will, where you may not have warm, fond, affectionate feelings for, for that individual. But the Bible says to do it as a choice. Do it as an act of the will. Amen. So notice now we've got four words, four different meanings, all translated into our English word love. How do you know unless you look at the original language which one is he's talking about? Well, the same then is the case with words like change or transform. As we're reading along in the English text, um, it's, it's going to be uh, one of these two words. Now, this is important for a lot of reasons, but again... The, the simple one that I'm wanting to talk to you about beginning this morning and, and as we move forward in the, in the days ahead is that we long for, I'm going to say it that way, we long for change in our lives. When we talk about realizing our potential, you, you understand that um, in order for us to realize more of the potential that we have uh, inside of us, it's going to require change. I wasn't expecting an amen, but I thought maybe at least somebody would grunt or something, okay? You know, it's, 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 it's going to require change. Uh, John Maxwell is, 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 is extremely quoted. A lot of people quote him. He's very quotable, okay? Perhaps my favorite, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, he's a, he's a born-again believer. He does a lot of work on leadership and teaches a lot on leadership. But one of my favorite quotes from John Maxwell is, are you ready? Everything you want and do not have right now is outside of your comfort zone. Everything you want and do not have right now is outside of your comfort zone. Remember, your life is not a reflection of your desires. Your life is a reflection of your self-image. Okay? As, as we dig deeper into the right self-image, your true image, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, it's going to make some of you a bit uncomfortable, okay? Because your true image, the image that, that, that is already inside of you in your innermost being, your spirit, is the image of Christ. And, and, and the more we see ourselves as Him, I'm getting way ahead of myself now, right? 
the Bible says the more we will be transformed into that image, our life reality transformed into that image, amen, from glory to glory. Well, there's a lot there that we'll come back and fill in. But I'm going to say it again. Everything you want and do not have right now is outside of your comfort zone. You've got potential inside of you. You have desires inside of you. I have potential inside of me. I have desires inside of me that that are not yet fulfilled, that are not yet accomplished, that are not yet satisfied. But guess what? If we're ever going to fulfill those, if we're ever going to accomplish those things, it's going to require some change on our part. So these words, metaschematozo, metamorpho, i got a couple of minutes. Can, can you get just, get just a few minutes, okay? Let me at least introduce to you what these mean, all right? Now, metaschematozo, and by the way, we get our English word schematics from this. If we've got any, like, electricians or anything like that, you know, sometimes when somebody's trying to fix something, um, they look for the diagram, the schematics, okay, in order to try to figure out how, you know, how the whole thing works. So we get our, you know, at the root of this, uh, you know, we get our word uh, uh, scheme or schematics out of this, all right? Now, what does metaschematozo mean? Metaschematozo, and, and why would it be trans, translated to change or to transform, okay? So metaschematozo is speaking of transformation or change by adding, taking away, or rearranging. Now, this is, again, very important because I feel like, I know in my spirit, I don't just feel like, I know in my spirit that, that I'm speaking to people this morning who, who desire change. We, we, we want to see things different in our, in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages. We want to realize more of the potential that we have. We, we want to accomplish um, more of the things that we desire to accomplish for God. And so, you know, we, we have this uh, in us, this desire for change. And so we, we go about trying to change things in our lives, okay? Now, metaschematozo would be an effort on my part or an effort on your part to experience change in your life by either adding something to your life, taking something away from your life, or rearranging what is present in your life, okay? Now, this is typically what we do come December 31st when we make resolutions. And notice what we normally resolve to do. We normally resolve to do more of one thing, add to, do less of other things, take away, and rearrange what's there. In other words, let's, let's, let's examine our priorities, okay? And, and we realize maybe that we should spend more time with our family, and so we're going to make family time a priority, right? Maybe we realize that we could probably eat less donuts and spend more time on the treadmill. And so we're going to try to change our lives by adding to our lives, taking away from our lives, or rearranging what is already present in our lives, okay? So if you've ever resolved to change your life by quitting something, if you've ever resolved to change your life by doing something that you haven't been doing or, or spending time in a way that you haven't spent it, then you've tried to change your life. You've tried to experience transformation in your life through the process that would be called metaschematozo. Are you with me? 
Okay? Now, uh, how's that worked for you? Amen. It can be very frustrating, can it? Right? Do you realize statistics tell us that most, most New Year's resolutions do not make it to the end of January? Okay? Well, I have good news for you. There is another approach to change. Listen, I'm not saying, don't mis, don't, no one misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not dissing this. It has its place. But thank God this is not the only approach to change available to the child of God. Are you hearing me? So, I can see some of you are getting a little weary. Let's stay with me. One, let me tell you what metamorpho is and then we'll pray, all right? Metamorpho is changing the essence of what a thing is. Changing the inherent or its intrinsic nature of a thing. Okay? This, this is um, a, a process, a method, an approach to experiencing change in our lives. Amen. That goes beyond the simple adding, subtracting, or rearranging. Okay? So we have in nature an, an example that God has established for us uh, of, a, of a metamorpho change or metamorphosis. And some of you are already ahead of me. Some of you just, when I say the word metamorphosis, some of you already went to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Are you with me, right? A caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Now, again... A caterpillar is not, um, uh, in other words, when a, when a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, it goes into a cocoon and it experiences a metamorphosis, okay? When the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, it does not experience metaschematozo. If it experienced metaschematozo, it would emerge from the cocoon as a caterpillar with two wings added to its back. But a butterfly is not a caterpillar that has had some wings added to its back, some makeup put on its face, lost a few pounds, right, and is looking pretty fly now. Are you following me? That was a joke, but you don't have to laugh, okay? No, no, a, 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 a butterfly was a caterpillar that went through a metamorphosis. And, and the very essence of what it, what it was is changed and so it emerges from the cocoon as something completely different than it was before. Are you seeing this, right? This is metamorphosis. This is what Jesus bled to death naked on a cross to give you and me the opportunity to experience in our lives. He died on that cross so that we could experience a metamorphosis in our innermost being. Jesus paid the price for your metamorphosis. He came to make you something different, something you could never make yourself. Okay? All right? Now, stand with me. Praise God. I'm not finished. I just, you'll feel better like that I'm getting close if I have you stand. Okay? It's kind of like a time or two. I know that I can't leave you standing long. All right? Are you with me? Praise the name of the living God. Now, here's, here's the problem. We're, we're just scratching the surface of this, okay? We're, we're, we're going to dig deeper into this. 
But why do so many of God's people choose metaschematizo over metamorpho? In other words, if, if, if we have available to us an approach to change in our lives that's metamorphosis, why would we ever push that aside and keep beating our heads against the wall of metaschematizo? Why would we keep making these silly resolutions, planning to add something, planning to take something away, planning to rearrange what's there, and, 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 and giving up on it, and going right back to the way it was before. Two reasons. One, ignorance. We don't understand God's system of metamorphosis. But here, here's the next one now. And this one's a little strong, so stay with me. Control. See, you, you can't metamorpho yourself. Only he can do that. Which means you must yield to Him. You must take a yoke upon yourself and humble yourself and submit yourself and be discipled by Jesus. This requires sacrifice. This requires effort. This begins with showing up. And we don't like to show up and when we do show up, we don't like people telling us what to do. So we settle for the inferior approach of change because we think we can control that. We think that we can change our own lives, that we can transform ourselves. And the only reason we haven't done it right now is because we haven't tried hard enough yet. But any next Monday I choose, I can do this. See, this is why we insist on metaschematizo, because we don't like turning control of our lives over to the one who came to completely make you a new creation. Amen. Amen. Is this making sense to you? I believe the body of Christ is ready for metamorphosis. I believe it's kind of like the law. I, I, I just came through uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And every, every time I read through that, I'm like, Father, you're, you're God, you're number one, you're the creator, I'm the creation. I know there's a lot of Jesus in here for me to find. I, you know, but you know, some of that stuff in there, come on now, right? But then every time I start trying to wrap my heart and mind around it, I'm reminded, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit, by what we know in the New Testament, is that he gave that law so that it would bring us to the conclusion that if we're ever going to be right with him, we're going to have to let him make us right. Because we cannot make our own selves right by adhering to 
the external standard of the Mosaic law. Can't do it. Can never be good enough. Can never perform well enough. Can never do enough obedience to make myself right before God in the eyes of God. The only way I ever will be is if I let him make me. I have to submit myself to the righteousness of God. If I try to make it myself by taking some bad things away and adding some good things in, no, 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 no. Amen. Father, thank you for these beautiful men and women. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you're opening our eyes to your truth and to your wisdom. Thank you, Father, that you're revealing to us, Father, the things that you have provided for us. Lord, that there is a better way, there is a new and living way that we can experience life change, that we can experience, Lord, uh, changes in our marriages, changes in our families, changes in our finances, changes in our behavior, changes in our quality of life, changes in the level of peace we experience and enjoy, changes in the level of joy we experience and enjoy, changes, Father, in our fruitfulness as your representatives, fruitfulness and meaningfulness, Father, in the life that we live and in the things that we do and in the potential that we realize, Father, changes in all these things, Lord. Your way of doing it. Your way of experiencing it. Your way, Father. We're hungry for metamorphosis, Lord. And I think, Father, we finally are at a place where we're ready to quit doing it ourselves and let you do what only you can do in our lives. Father, help us surrender to you. Help us humble ourselves before you. Help us learn, Father, from Jesus what we need to know so that we can experience in our life reality, the inward reality that is already present because we're your sons and daughters. Father, my prayer, my prayer for this group is that everything we put our hands to will prosper for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you good things coming. Thank you for being here. Thank you. For